1935, the Lions win the NFL championship. The Detroit Tigers take the World Series. The Red Wings bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Joe Lewis begins his rise to world domination. This transforms the Motor City into Detroit, City of Champions. All right, there you go. The crack of the bat. We are sticking it in the ground this time. We're gonna we're gonna play a little golf. How long did it take you to come up with that little uh, catch catch line? Oh no, that's uh, that's it uh, was right off the cuff. You just oh, figured no. just now. You just put oh, it that's together. what I call it. I call it sticking it in the ground. <laughs> nice. Putting the and that's uh, like golf tees, right? Sticking it in the ground, and it, it's funny. Uh, the guy we're going to talk about is the one who popularized the golf tee. The golf tee, yes. It's uh, it's it's all pretty amazing. Spoiler, you're supposed to say spoiler alert. Spoiler before, alert before you tell everybody. That's like right, one right. of my favorite parts of the entire story. Oh, is it really? But it's good. We're, te- we're giving a little teaser, a little little heads up to some of the cool stuff. Didn't mean to tee off. No, you're, there you go, James. <laughs> you're, you haven't lost anything since the first episode we did, 65 shows ago. <laughs> You're still sharp as a razor. Oh, mercy's sakes. All right, but uh, Detroit City of Champions, the podcast. I'm Jamie Flanagan. Charles Avison. And Charles, you, you wrote these trilogy of books just uh, featuring like so many great athletes, so many interesting owners, uh, the city and all the things happening in and around it. Uh, we've talked about the Lions, the Tigers. Oh my, Red Wings, uh, Joe, Joe Lewis, Lewis Garwood, and uh, we're moving on to, to more and more of the champions. Uh, we're going to get back to the big teams too because we got to talk about their big final games. Yep, we got to talk about more on on each of the players. We got to dive into the Tigers a lot more too. Yeah. we did. We we did such a do that. We did such an overview of the Tigers. Yeah. It's almost a bit like <laughs> we've devoted more time to like some like Primo Carnera and some of these guys. <laughs> But uh, we're getting our stride. We're figuring out how how this works. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, how much of this history we want to tell and how much we want to share. And uh, like I said, sticking it in the ground, it's uh, 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 an allusion to uh, golf. And uh, and, and and when you said, oh, you know, Walter Hagen is uh, who we're going to be talking about, um, I was like, I, I didn't know he was a Detroit guy. But uh, we'll get to it. But uh, spoiler alert: he wasn't born in Detroit, but no. he, he was very much tied to the city. Big time in 1935. Big well, um, well for most of, for for much of his life. I mean, yeah, he's and a, he's buried this, here this in Michigan. Guy, yeah, he's this oh, yeah. guy. I mean, this guy's a world. This guy's a world traveler. Um, I mean, this guy's a world traveler, and right. um, you know, he's been everywhere. As we're going to see, I mean, he's, he lives this incredibly fascinating life. But um, but yeah, he he was a first he's a first club professional, Oakland Hills Country Club. Yeah, that's that's really how he came to really move to Detroit. Like, there's all kinds of new money coming in the city. This is you know he's living in a, you know in the in the twenties and thirties was when you know was like sort of the peak of his career. But you, so he's coming to Detroit. There's all this new money. Everybody yeah. building all these like fancy golf club. You know, you like every every if you were anybody who was anybody had like a you know had a major um, you know golf golf club in their city. You know, and so that be, so Oakland Hills became that. And they, in order to in order to sh- you know it, a lot of the the the, the uh, prestige that comes with your club is having a top flight club pro who's like giving lessons to your people there and you know kind of represents you of any kind of like little local tournament type things and so oakland hills they got the money they're like we're bringing in the biggest dog in the world which was you know walter hagan so arguably 
Um, the Great Depression was, you know, 1929 uh-huh. to 1933. Now, some people say uh, really didn't recover until like that's 19, the case I fall into 1939, and I would say World know, War II is what getting us into out. 1940. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the, the 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 biggest hardest hit part was. You know, 1929 to 1933. Yeah, so as as 33 is, we're getting into 35 here. It, it's this money's starting to rebuild, yeah. starting to come back, uh, much like your stocks well, he didn't move to on the, your drive here. Yeah, he, they yeah, were starting yeah, to come back. Yeah. yeah, he was. Well, he didn't. Move, he didn't come in 1935. He'd been right, right, before years that. before that. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, the, you know the countries. I mean, the thing about the th- by mid thirties is the countries sort of learning how to live with their new reality, right? And so that's how like once it, you know the, the first the, you know initially there's the shock, yeah. Then there's the you know the everybody gets crushed, and then there's and then there's the, you know the slow steady you know like you kind of learn to live with your situations and yeah. you know and then and then you start to kind of crawl out of it. And so that's that's you know I think that's where you know towards the late thirties is what happened. Then World War Two really you know when everybody basically you had universal employment. I mean. There's, yeah. You know, for a while we were like financing the you know financing the British, like giving them weapons and mass production. So I mean, we were we already starting to hum from that, but yeah. but um yes, yeah, so, but anyways, yeah. So you know, Hagen, yeah, he's like, real. We're gonna we're gonna talk a lot. Of, we're you know we're gonna show. I mean, this he wrote his. I got his autobiography here. This is the book that's gonna be like our big source material book. That's, like we that's, had with, uh, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. You brought in a book. Yeah. Um, so so this book was written in Cadillac. This is Walter Hagen's autobiography. Oh, it was written. I, I sent a slide with the picture. I did. Show the I did. There. Yep. So, um, so yeah, this is my Sleeping copy of at it. the wheel. No, you're good. Uh, but this, so you know, this is the this is the source material for it, and um, the Walter Hagen story. If anybody uh, has a chance to get this book, I don't. It's nowhere. It's not like Speedboat Kings. It's you're not. You can get this at probably for twenty or thirty bucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not that four hundred five hundred dollars Speedboat King. No, I don't think so. But um, but th- but it's but this is a tremendous book in its own mm-hmm. right. I mean, the late, you know he basically recanted this story. That's his autobiography because you said you had a couple of quotes about him. People yeah. talking about Walter are those out of his book or are they? Yeah. Out of, out well, of your no, book? there's a couple different spots for that. But I've got. Um, but for him, I wanted to I wanted to read a quote of, for him about. Uh, how he got this book going. Oh, okay. And so um, maybe we'll wait for one second because I want to give a couple overviews like other people talking about him. Yeah. So Walter Hagen, what do we need to know about Walter Hagen? Well, just rather than me kind of spin it out, um, I think think that's why I want to read a couple quotes because a couple of these guys, you know, a couple of these people give sort of an overview Mm -hmm. of him in a nutshell to just to kind of, you know, kind of shape the, the listener, the viewer's mind towards where, you know, where we're sort of going. Okay. Um, with this, and so, um, so there's there's quite a few actually things I can, get. and you know what the I, what I'm probably going to read here is uh, right off, so right off the bat I will read um, oh there's so many choices so this is <laughs> this is what this is an interesting one okay yeah. this is an interesting one so this is an this actually when I bought this book it was stuffed full of newspaper articles oh wow okay and there a lot of them are like Walt they're actually about Walter Hagen and random clips but this one was actually pretty good so it's there's a reason why this guy whoever the guy who bought the book right, I have right. a secondhand copy man, obviously man absolutely this? yeah yeah All right. so um the book th- so this is actually this is signed by a guy named John A Holmbeck uh-huh. so I don't know if he wrote his name in it it is dated uh, March or, or April 18th this is that's crazy I never noticed this. It's dated April 18th, which is Champions Day, ah, 1957. 57, The book okay. came out in 1956. So it's cra- that's crazy. He dated it April 18th, 1957. That's great. I yeah, know, this, just this article that. you were reaching for. So this must have been collected by Holbeck, um, I'm assuming, that newspaper article. Yeah. So that's kind of the article I wanted to just This is, of, comes from the Los Angeles Times in 
before. Yeah, so this is a few years later. So um, so anyway, so this is so Hagen died in sixty nine. Mm-hmm. So this is a few years oh, before prior, he passes, prior, yeah. prior to his passing. Yeah. Right. So um, so, so the article is written by Jim Murray, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. Los Angeles Times, nineteen sixty four. And so the title the article title is called Walter will be late for lunch. Mm. And so uh, Los Angeles, California. Well, I, he says, well, I can see where they're giving lunch for Walter Hagen at the U.S. Open in Washington this week. You can bet me one thing, he'll be late. And he may show up in a tuxedo and dancing pumps if there's ever been a party somewhere the night before. Sir Walter is not one to let a starting time intimidate him, and he has made many a first tee looking as if he had come to be inaugurated or one half of a ballroom dance team. They can make up their mind to one thing, one other thing. A lot of them wouldn't be there in their $50 alpacas, hand-lasted alligator shoes, hand-tooled, hand-tooled gold-flecked golf sticks, pockets bulging with endorsement monies, checks from TV golf and promoters bidding wildly for their services if it weren't for Walter Hagen. Before the Hague came along, a professional golfer was considered on par with a card shark or a pool shark who was expected to use the tradesman's entrance and, and address his social superiors like truck drivers as sir. Walter Charles Hagen changed all that one dramatic ch- Walter Charles Hagen changed all that one dramatic afternoon in 1923 at the British Open in Troon, Scotland. American professionals in that tournament were not even allowed in the clubhouse to pick up their mail, but it was tossed out to them at the pro shop by liveried flunkies. When Hagen finished one shot back of England's Arthur Havers, the elated committeeman sent for Hagen to appear in the clubhouse for presentation ceremonies. Hagen walked as far as the front door, turned, and addressed the crowd. At no time have we Americans been permitted to the clubhouse. I don't propose to go there now. If the committee likes, they can make the presentation over at the local pub, where we have been much welcome. And then he stalked off, following by a cheering crowd he invited to the pub. Wow. From a pub to the Prince. The next year, when he won the British Open for the second of four times, the presentation was in the clubhouse. So was the mail. By the time he had won it for the fourth time in 1929, the presentation was by an old golfing buddy of his, the Prince of Wales. I guess only because the king had a sore throat. More than any more than any one man, Walter Hagen made professional golf a respectable occupation. He was the one of the first to wear two-tone shoes, tailored plus fours, specially loomed sweaters. He chose the right fork, selected the right wines. He was as colorful as a comet, the most celebrated bon vivant west of Babe Ruth. He took the champagne route through life. He made movies in Hollywood, tiger hunts with maharajas, golf dates with presidents. He liked fast cars and jeweled women. He won five PGA championships, four of them in a row. He won two U.S. Opens. He once beat Bobby Jones, 12 and 11, which is the golf equivalent of a one-round knockout. In a profession where some guys even borrow, even borrow money to mark their balls, Hagen was a check grabber even when the competition included millionaires. I saw him only once, an exhibition in Hartford, Connecticut, for which he prepped for, for which he prepped by dancing the rumba at my sister's house till dawn. Breakfast was a rum and coke. I think he was he shot a 68, which is good. <laughs> uh, breakfast was a rum and coke. I like Smell, it. So he says uh, he has enriched the language with maxims and should be hung on walls. I don't want to be a millionaire. I just want to live like one. And equally famous, you're only here for a short visit. Don't hurry. Don't worry. And be sure to smell the flowers along the way. Hagen sniffed with deep breaths. In spite of his bouts with Bacchus, there is no one anecdote in which Hagen is anything but in command of himself. When he retired, he failed to follow the lead of contemporaries who compared golf courses and golf holes. Hagen compared 19th holes, meaning bars, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was the one place he was never late. 
There are many ways to conquer a golf course. Ben Hogan stalked it as if it were an, were an armed killer and tried to put his foot on its throat. Walter Hagen courted it as if it were a rich and pretty widow. He charmed a 65 out of it instead of choking out of it. He, he left the game a legacy of charm, wit, and chivalry. Every kid on the tour with a gold-plated putter, sponsored to match, and a free card delivered to his door is in his debt. His savoir-faire makes this even champagne Tony Lima look like a guy who would drink out of a bottle. Uh-huh. They can well afford to give him a lunch and make sure, for once, they beat him to the check. Uh-huh. So I like that. I thought that was yeah. pretty good. And it came with the book. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> I didn't even, it just came with the book. Chris, Chris chimed in. He said you were destined to have that book yeah. <laughs> with that date in there. Yeah, I can't believe it. I just noticed date it. In there. That's, that's great. the kind of weird stuff that happens, yeah. though. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's dated. I mean, look at this. Take a look. You can mm-hmm. see the camera. I'm mm-hmm. not lying. It says on there, April yeah. 18th, 1957. I didn't even <laughs> just noticed the day. I'm like, okay, that's hey. cool. So, anyways, yeah, that's so. That's a, I think that's a nice little overview of who we're talking about here. Yeah. Like this guy, this Walter Hagen, like there, he was professional. He was the one who created professional golf. Yeah. You know what I mean, like there was professionals before him. There's no, I mean, he's not the first professional, but he's the first one to make it into like a legitimate occupation. You know where they're res- like where it's you know, res- garnering res- some actual respect from the studio exactly. elites. Exactly, exactly, and that's yeah. that's who he was. It, we're and gonna- he and he and I love how he turned his nose to it. Yeah, he well, was like when they get when they refused him entry into the clubhouse to yeah. even change his socks. You know, and he's like, like oh, well, I'll I'm be not in, gonna go. You kicked me in the pub before. I'll be at the bar. I'll be in the pub again. Yeah, because they wanted to give him the, the the British Open trophy. Yeah, they wanted to give him the trophy. I'll be for in the, the pub. Bring most, it to me over there. Yeah, like that's the, like the most revered championship that they can have. And he's like, yeah, I'll bring it over to the pub. You know, it's like, and so that's what started to change it is when because you were saying that earlier when you were alluding to that like an episode or two ago uh, that that was his style and yeah. uh, i love that i love that confirmed well, in that article there. yeah and so we're going to get into a lot of it there's more you know that's the that's one of, that's probably the most famous story regarding that and you could tell that's you just know, you got to be closer to that well i'm trying well, not to bring it up. to you okay there we go so i'm trying not to get it for there we go okay yeah. um so so anyways there was you know that's th- there's a lot more to that story which is what we're going to dive into with him is it too loud in your headphones no it's it just sounds like it's rattling that's what oh was. no no okay so anyways um so anyway, so there's a, there's a lot of st- I mean that that's like the most famous story about him where he like I won't accept the I'm not I'm going to go down to the pub. That's the most famous, but there's yeah. many many stories along the way that sort of leads up to that. And then the story of him like, you know, once he is established as that top pro that you know that's a whole you know that it takes it into a whole another sort of level, you know what I mean? Right. Like that's you know, like you know he like he in his lifetime of being a professional golfer, he saw the world shift from that you know where he got zero respect from anybody because they're like, oh, you're a professional, not an amateur. Yeah, you know, amateurs are the real gentlemen of this game. And then he saw that shift to legitimacy where he was then being, you know, like he was the star of the show and highly respected. He actually saw that, you know, witnessed and experienced that transition. That's why I want, that's one of the reasons why his book is so great. Is he talks about he talks about that. You know, that's that's really one of the focal points of the book is that transition. He talks about his entire life story. So it's it actually is worth a read. And there's no obviously there's no way we can go into all the depth about, you know, every single part of the book. Um, but it's definitely worth a read. And I was I, mean, I was really I was glad I found it for this book cuz I used it extensively for, you know, for telling the story. Cuz like if you're going to tell the story, why not tell the story by a guy who lived it, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, he's literally a primary source. I mean, he's a guy that lived the story and that's whenever I'm whenever I'm looking for information for you know any type of history, I mean 
there, you know, everybody has a bias. He's, I'm sure there's, you know, things in his life that he probably didn't want to focus on in his sure. book. But yeah. at the same time, um, you know, it's, uh, you, you know, you, you almost have to defer to primary sources, to yeah. people that were there, that saw it, that witnessed it. And that's, you know, one of the reasons I went with his with his own autobiography for a lot of this. But yeah. um, so here's another little quote I wanted to read. Yeah. Um, and this is uh, Bob Murphy from the Detroit Times. And this this he wrote this came out of the Detroit Times one day bef- uh, before Champions Day. Okay. Um, literally one day before the Champions Day um, night. So 1936, the you know, first Champions Day. So um, so this is Bob Murphy, Detroit Times. So Hagen, one of golf's greatest figures. They call him the Barnum of the Links and golf's greatest showman. Others insist, in spite of Bobby Jones' grand, grand slam, that this bronze carefree night of the fairway is America's greatest contribution to golf. They refer, of course, to Walter Hagen, the great Hagen, Hagen the Lion, the Hague. It was only recently that Grantland Rice, one of America's outstanding sports authorities, was asked to name the three greatest competitors he has known. It, to this tough assignment, he promptly responded with three names, Walter Hagen in golf, Jack Dempsey in boxing, and Ty Cobb baseball. Two of the three, Hagen and Cobb, have written glowing chapters in the history of this great city of champions. As the current parade of champions files past, Hagen qualifies as captain of the victorious Ryder Cup forces that routed Great Britain. But it, but it is his past exploits that raised him to a place as one of the greatest champions this nation has ever produced. High praise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the great. So he's so he's saying Grantland Rice names the two two of the greatest. You know. You know. Uh, Asked to name the three greatest competitors ever competitors ever known, and he names you know two of the three as Ty Cobb and Walter. Hey, Grantland Rice was a major name. He's one of the biggest name you know sports writers of his era. Yeah, and he names Walter Hagen and Ty Cobb. You know these two guys are Detroit you know representatives. So don't uh, you don't get bigger than that. No, it's, so uh, I mean that's what I'm saying to be lumped into the same category as Ty Cobb as a competitor yeah. is is a huge thing. And so, you know, again, we're, we'll talk about, you know, Hagen's life takes him all over the globe. And so, you know, for Detroit to say, like, oh, we're the only place that he ever was, that's not true. Right. That's not, but, but Detroit was, but, he, you, know, he's, you know, he called the Detroit Athletic Club the place he's more familiar with than any other building in the world. Okay. I mean, he was, he was a, this is a guy, a, I mean, he spent a great, I mean, he, Detroit claimed him. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he wrote his autobiography in Cadillac. He wrote his... Uh, he he uh, he died in Traverse City. Yeah, you know. Like so, the, so the Detroit the Detroit Athletic Club downtown. You're talking about mm-hmm. that's. Uh, have you been there? Have you been? Uh, I've been to the Detroit Athletic Club. I mean, yeah. briefly, if you a couple different times. Yeah. You know? Um, but uh, I've DJed a few weddings there. Yeah, it's and nice. I've been there for a few events. Yeah, I've been up on that roof, like watching Tigers games from like way up. Yeah, you know? yeah, those are fun. Yeah, I mean, just like I said, I've been. I think I've been up there. One, one, I was up in that deck like once. I've been in there like twice. Yeah, but um, and I just want to read a little other ditty, and this is kind of cool. This is what I was going to read, but some I of his words. This. Yes, this is his words, and this talks about when he in, when he announced that he was going to write this book. Okay, so I just think this is kind of interesting because it kind of sh- shows himself. Like, he kind of talks about himself, you know, this kind of shows, like, his personality a little bit, you know, because, uh-huh. um, so he says, uh, so this is the introduction to his own book, so he's, it's just a brief little ditty here. So he says, now for the first time, I'm going to tell my story. It has been a long time in the making, and being the relaxed guy I am, the story will require some time in the telling. I have been known through the years as a man who likes parties and spreads hospitality. So a party for members of the press, radio, and television sports commentators was set up on Wednesday, May 7, 1952, at the Detroit Athletic Club. The invitations caused no lifted eyebrows, and everyone who received a bid showed up. 
I did not invite all my friends in the Detroit area, for as Bob Murphy wrote in his column in the Detroit Times, I'd have to hire Briggs Stadium to hold them. About an hour after the party had begun, with all the boys thoroughly relaxed and mellow, I climbed on top of a table and signaled for attention. When the room was quiet, I told them about my book. Once again, I was calling my shot before I before I made it. So he's got a whole big story about another time he called his shot, which is cool. I, I don't want to read it all. Um, I'm going to kind of jump jump into another sort of the next little segment. So fired with enthusiasm and determination and armed with scrapbooks and typewriters, I retired to Cadillac, Michigan to begin work. Why Cadillac? For, for a fellow who has followed the sun around the world all his life, it may seem, seem crazy to choose a northern Michigan town blanketed with snow almost eight months of the year. Actually, I had chosen location very carefully. In the first place, this resort of 14 lodges called Pilgrim's Village on Lake Mitchell near Cadillac had plenty of accommodation space for everybody, including the many literary kibitzers we knew would be around. And second, it was 200 miles from Detroit, my permanent residence. So that was important. So, I mean, he's calling Detroit his permanent residence right, at, his, yeah. at this point in his life. And um, uh, let me see. I think that's all that I wanted to read from that. Um. Yeah, there's a bunch more. There's he's got. It's a great little intro. He talks. I mean, you know, that's it's a great little intro. And we're gonna we're gonna come back to the book. I've got to like keep this thing in a plastic wrap because the cover is like ter- deteriorating. Yeah, my, it's, uh, I've got little pieces of paper on the chair here. It's already 50, the, the, the 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 signature in it was 1957. Yeah, it's just the book's fine. It's the dust jacket's falling apart, and I love the dust jacket. I actually yeah. cleaned the one that you have in the that we put up on the screen. I actually, it's it's a picture of this. I just restored it before we put it up on the picture. Right. But I love that it's it's just a great photo and it's a and it's a it, it's a great book. Yeah. But, um. But we will come back to it. Um. So um. So yeah. that that's Walter. Um. Yeah. We just, but we kind of want to set a little foundation for yeah how we got to amateur pro and then then the early golf. Uh, yeah. Well, one of the reasons developed. I, one of the reasons I like those those couple of articles there was because they introduced the idea of how important Hagen was to professional golf. Like mm-hmm. they're like that guy. You know, the first article he's like. Every person, every professional today should, you know, say thank you to Walter Hagen. And so, you know, really to, in order to understand, you know, how important he was to the game and, you know, like sort of this, this new, you know, who he was a little bit. It's, I, you know, I think we should go, you know, he, you know, he's, this is, this guy is giving rise to the birth of professional golf. And so he's a major component in just the story of golf itself. And so I think it's necessary, you know, just like like we did in hockey, like we did in you know with boxing, is to kind of go back to the beginning, and kind of you know give it just a general overview of the you know the history of golf that kind of leads up to where we're at with you know Hagen in his life. So, right. um, so like uh, there, I'm telling this is what we're about to do right here. This is I, that's why I said a history of golf on the header for this show. This is yeah. not the history of golf, okay? Because when you look at the golf is ancient, sure, golf is an ancient. I mean, the golf. I mean, there's so many different components to golf. There's no way, like, there's no way you could tell it all like once. That's especially a, that's once a in. podcast in and of itself. Oh yeah. So so anyways, so this is so what we're kind of dealing with here is. Like say a history of golf as mm-hmm. you know, sort of as it kind of flows into the story we're into the tell. context yeah. of Walter Haggis. Yes, exactly. All right, fair as it, as it, you know, just to kind of summarize a lot of it, but sure. But it's so ancient. There's so many different ways you can go with it. Like the, you know, the first premise, the first component of the story is is that um, some believe it, it was an ancient Roman game f- f- called pa- uh, Paganica, brought and it was brought when the Romans conquered Britain and they came to Britain in, in the first in the first century. BC that um that uh uh that they brought that that's where that's how golf got to Britain was from the Romans. Ah. 
So the Romans, like, they brought golf. That's like that's how ancient people say golf is. Right. Like that's how far back it goes, and then it came to the British Isles that in that way. And so, uh, so from so so some of the just again some of the quick notes. 1457. The you know this you know the Middle Ages is when it started to get somewhat you know it started to pop up a little bit. In some of the pictures, we actually have a picture of this like sort of. Um, and this is just some basic stuff I got off Wikipedia. Like I say, this is not like golf is not necessarily my biggest forte, but sure. um, you know, this is just a couple of pictures that kind of shows that you can see yeah. for yourself. Uh, but you know, you got Middle Ages. This is a, an illustration of people in the Middle Ages playing golf. You mm-hmm. know, you got fourteen hundreds. <laughs> play you know these little golfs, golf and sticks, and uh, you know clubs. And so, uh, so it, so in fifteen fifty two, still you know high Middle Ages, you've got the uh, first game on record. Uh, took place in St. Andrews, Scotland. Oh. And then a few years after that, 1567, Mary Queen of Scots becomes the first female golfer recorded. Yeah. And then several years later, advancing the story, 1744, so 200 years later, the rules are written down by the by the Honorable Company of Edinburgh Golfers at Leith Links. Rules. Who needs rules? Well, they do. And so I want to, so this story right here, this is a, this is actually a, um, a, like a sort of personal. St- I've got a personal Edinburgh because you did you spent time I lived in Scotland. I lived yeah. there. I went to school there. I went yeah. to school at the University of Edinburgh. So you got a little bit of. I've got a great story. You've that walked these. You've walked these grounds. I, and I hate to. And here's the thing. I hate to say I have a great story, but I think it is. It's one of my favorite stories oh, of my right. entire life. <laughs> so I got. So I think it's a. So I, I'm calling it great to not just hype it, but because I think it actually is. Um, but anyways. So I had heard Leith Links. I, I lived in Edinburgh, Scotland for years. I, yeah. I just went to school out there, and I, and I played football for the Edinburgh Wolves, an American ah. football team, for for a, a year and a half. And um, so, anyways, uh, so anyways, um, did you get? Did you dress like these guys? Uh, no, I didn't wear. Oh. I didn't wear a kilt or anything. Okay, like that. all right, but, but um, <laughs> I saw Sorry. plenty of people who did though. <laughs> I saw plenty of people who did. There wasn't a day that went by that I did not hear the bagpipes playing. Nice, swear to God, swear to God, there was. It's not even it's a like stereotype. A and well, I lived in. I lived cats. in the. You know, it's, I lived in Edinburgh. It's a busy city. There's always like a. You know, like they use pipers. People would like do like raise money for charity by playing the pipes. Yeah. People would put money in a hat as you walk by, and yeah, you know yeah. they're raising money for charity. And then there was like, and then for several years I lived out there. One of my neighbors what was practicing playing the pipes all the time, and so there was like I oh I heard and I, that's my I, favorite instrument. I, I love that. I do. Yeah, me too. It's my favorite I, musical I instrument. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, so I heard the pipes like every single day. Uh, <laughs> so see, no, people don't people don't get it. People, mm-mm. yeah. So. But anyway, so here's the thing. So I heard about this Leith Links, and I'd heard I was getting into golf a little bit. I've mm-hmm. never really been massively into golf, but I've gone through little phases here and there where I'll, you know, I'll, right. I'll go hit the ball a little bit. Right. And so, anyways, I'd, I'd gotten a set of golf clubs from usually what I do whenever I, I just go, like, if I'm going to go golfing, I'll go to like find a garage sale and buy a set of clubs. <laughs> That's how I've always done it. I've never really owned a set of clubs. Yeah. Like, I. You know, a solid professional set of clubs where I have a bunch of money invested. It's usually like thirty or fifty bucks. I get a set of clubs, and that's my set for wherever. Especially when I used to be sort of like a, you know, I used to be uh, you know mobile. I used to be right. all over the place. I traveled like two double bags for like ten years of my life. I was always on the road. So, anyways, I hear I had a set of clubs, and uh, I was like kind of set to go golfing, and I hear about this Leith Links that that was like the birthplace of golf. And me, you know, me being into history, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go go play golf there right yeah like this is i mean i'm getting there like and i somebody whoever was telling me about it was like, somebody had mentioned it and they were like well it's not really they're whoever told me about it they were like well it's not really like a golf course you don't it's not really um 
you know, it's not like a, you don't go play. You don't play golf there. It's like a bar across the street. And then there's like this old there's like a school there. Yeah. It's like this huge school. And then it's just this like kind of open, huge open grass area. It's not. I mean, it's got a marker and the like on the bar where they, like, they wrote the the rules. Oh, okay. But otherwise, it's this big green patch of grass. It's huge. It's like this kind of big field. And uh, anyways, I was like, well, that's true. I don't need to go have you know actually play a game. I'm just gonna go hit the ball there and practice drilling it. You know. And so I go to the to this Leith Links and. Uh, Man, I started hitting this golf ball, yeah. and it, I swear to God, it was like I was in the freaking zone. I swear to God, I've never, I've never, yeah, I have never in my life ever hit a golf ball the way I was hitting it that day. I like, like if there was like a little patch of dirt out in the middle of something like you know fifty yards away, I was just like dropping it right on the sand. Or there was like a, a small like a tree over here, and I'm like right branch, second from the top, banging it, and it's just like hitting the branch. Like it was the craziest thing. I was like, I couldn't believe it. Like it started raining, so it was like the perfect like Scottish like oh, yeah. light drizzle of a day, and I'm hitting sure. the ball and just anywhere I wanted it, anywhere yeah. I felt like I'm like I'm a I'm a freak. I'm a club professional, man. Uh, I'm about to be turned a pro. <laughs> like it was unbelievable. The laser targeting I've was never experienced. I've n- never experienced anything like it. Where I was like, like the spirit of golf was flowing through me or uh, something. It was crazy. And so, anyways, I ended up. Uh, my girlfriend came in at the time, picked me up, and she, you know, she drove up. And I was like, I don't want to leave. You know, I'm having the best day of my life. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, and I was like, watch this. And I was even showing her. I was like. Off the trunk of the tree, bang, you know, hit off the trunk. Like, it was crazy. And I don't think she was that impressed, but I was. I was like, you see that? I just hit it off the tree. You know, she was like, oh, okay, you know, okay, it's not that great. But anyways, um, so anyways, that you know, that that was it. But then I found out sort of after, they're like, I was telling people at my work, and I ended up going golfing, like, a, re- a relatively, you know, short time thereafter. You know, it was, t- I was nothing like, I went out there full of confidence. I'm like, man, I have a whole, I'm flowing with the spirit of Leith Links, you know? <laughs> And when I when I went out to play golf against my friend there, yeah, he, I was you know I was you know barely I was average at best you Shaking know maybe maybe shake a potamus yeah maybe <laughs> maybe average if I was lucky, but I was like but I was like man I just lost all my all my you know superpower all you the know? golf mojo all went my away golf mojo vanished so anyways um so I, but I was telling like people after that I was like man you know you should go to Leith Links and like tap into the golf power you know and they're like do you know how illegal it is like you're not allowed to go there play golf. <laughs> i was like i was wondering why it was kind of sparse because edinburgh like usually any you know, there's so many people there if there's any kind of like a you know event or place to go do <laughs> there'd be you no know, there's usually like crowds of people or at least like five or ten people you know even if it's just a regular grassy area there's a people a couple of people walking their dog or something right and they're like you're not supposed to be out there it's like <laughs> you're putting divots in holy ground or something like it's like sacred ground like you're not allowed to even walk on that grass. And I was like, shit, I didn't know that. You know, like you're I was respectful. I wasn't, I wasn't, no, I don't think I was tearing it up that bad. <laughs> but it was, but I, you know, I was respectful. And I'm showing respect now by, you know, you know, saying how great of, you know, it's a great spot. I yeah, just, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But it was, but it was crazy. So that's my the, little personal. Sort the of, mojo was on while you were there. Oh, the that's what I'm saying. Breaks, I was on uh, fire. I was like in the zone. I was literally in the. They call it the zone, and I was in the zone. And it was like, I mean, it's like every spirit of golf out there uh, was just like, 
you know, control my like I had like my back swings perfect, and uh, like, driving it right. You know, <laughs> putting backspin on some of them. It was crazy. I was like, man, I'm killing it. <laughs> well, uh, so anyways, that's my little per- so I was uh, my little personal personal story with that. <laughs> our little trip to Scotland. I like yeah, it. Yeah, my our little. I want to go. Tour, I want to go with you. So that was 1744 for the for that Leith Links escapade when they wrote down the rules. Yeah, and there. then my escapade was probably 2005. Okay, 2006, somewhere around there. That was my Leith Links escapade. So that's a little fast forward into the future. So uh, 18. So so right. So so after the rules are written down, you know, golf is starting to be played a little bit. You know, sort of standardized. And then in the 1850s, so we're talking about a lot of this stuff is happening in Scotland. That's one of the things we're noticing here. And so, um, uh, so at the, so in the 1850s, there was sort of this renaissance in for like for Scotland. Uh, there's this there's a there's a writer named Sir, Sir Walter Scott who was like writing about Scotland and how great it was and sort of making it like a nostalgic like like Scotland's the greatest place. You know, he just writing all these like sort of uh, nostalgic folklore ish type poems about Scotland that were right. really really popular at the time. Yeah, and then and then uh, and so in eight, and so it kind of created this like. This this culture, this thing where people from England like wanted to go on vacation in Scotland, it kind of right. became the thing. A mystique, it was yeah, uh, mystique. And then like the Scottish culture was starting yeah. to like drift down like towards England. Like people thought you know, it was just kind of like kind of a cool thing. Right. And so and it was that in 1860 was when Belmoral Castle was 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 built for you know that's the famous castle of course with the you know Queen's you know where you know Queen Elizabeth goes up there now. But at the time it was Queen Victoria who built it, Not and they went queen. up to Scotland. Yeah, I didn't yeah. vote for. Oh yeah, right. I don't think a lot of <laughs> did, but, but that's a whole other story. Not my I, queen, I didn't vote. For I've seen the queen twice in person. That's uh, twice in person. Really? Yes, randomly walking down the street yeah. twice. I've seen her. That's a whole other yeah. story. Fighting over that blue dress at the uh, Walmart. No, she was just. It was. It's two whole different stories. Mm-hmm. But I've seen the queen twice in front of me. Um. So, anyways, the uh, and you're not a knight yet. Not 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 as of yet. You know. Ah, but um, yet. But if anybody wants to hear the story, you got to send a message in and, and right. say they want to hear it. And then, we'll, right. then we'll, we'll, we'll go get off back tangent to it later. Yeah. So that so if they want to hear it, maybe this episode or another episode, whatever. But anyways, um, so Belmoral Castle was built, and then so it it kind of created this idea that like the the rich and elite from England were like it was cool to like go to Scotland yeah. and have a place, uh, kind of like we do, you know, like in Michigan, how everybody has a cabin up north type sure, of thing. Yeah, that yeah. became like the thing. Yeah. And so as a result, a lot of these, you know, some of these Scottish activities that were fairly limited to Scotland at the time, like the Scottish culture, like golf, which was growing up, that started to radiate outwards um, towards, you know, coming back down to yeah. England. Oh, know, that right? was fun. Let's do it down here. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. it became like kind of like the aristocratic thing. They're like, they're picking up these this thing like golf up in the north while they're on vacation. They do that in the backyard. And then they're going to bring it back down with them to England, right? Backyard's big enough for that. Well, no, they, but that's what made us fairly an aristocrat thing was you had to have a special course, a right. long special course. You know, you had to be able to afford the course to build a club. You had sure. a membership or whatever, and then you had to have a you know handmade clubs made for the game. Yeah. You know, it was, a, it was an incredibly aristocratic, elite type sport. <laughs> yeah, it was. And and so um so anyways, so that was that was really that's how it like so, so just to give you an idea. Well, it was followed up with this, and so in, in 1860 was the first was called it's the the technical name is the Open. And the, you know the but the general idea is called the British Open, right? right? It's one of the four ma- big Masters tournaments. So 1860 was the first Open, the first you know British Open with you know it, uh, again a made uh, the first major tournament. It is held in uh, Presswick Golf Club in Ayrshire, Scotland. So so from and then and then so 
again, from from the 1860s onwards, the the game is starting to radiate down to England. So just to give you an idea, so in 1880, so 20 years after um, you know the Balmoral's Bill and the you know the Sir Walter Scott's doing his thing. So 1880, England had 12 golf courses total. By 1887, there was 50 golf courses. Well, okay. Yes. <laughs> Catching on. By eight, by 1914, there was a thousand courses. Okay. So you can see how fast it spread through, through you know, from Scotland through England, and then of course, um, you know, England at the time in the late 1800s was the you know the preeminent superpower on earth. You know, yeah. they said the oh, sun yeah. never set in the British Empire. Right. And as a result, wherever the British went, so did the game of golf. Oh. It became the aristocratic element, you know, it's kind of, you know, that that they brought to wherever they were at. And so it started having these little pockets, you know, all over the world. And you can go you can really dive into where, you know, like the first clubs at each sure, place yeah, and yeah. all these different things. But that's really that's how it spread. It started spreading all over the place. And as far as America goes, because we weren't necessarily, you know, that, that, this is beyond the, you know, America had already declared its independence long prior to that sort of spread. Um, was that was so? Is the, the USA had a little bit of a different influence, which is kind of interesting. So, so I just got done reading this huge timeline of all these things that happened, like you know, the Middle Ages and Scotland, all the Scottish influences, and the radiating out through England. But but another surprising influence that I didn't really know about was the Dutch. Oh. So the Dutch were, the Dutch also had a, you know, there's a lot of different things to like say, oh, the first set of rules. And the Dutch were like, no, we had our rules in 1742. It was yeah, written yeah, yeah. by this ah. particular guy. So they have rival claims to like all these different things. The origins, like we had yeah, our yeah. first, the, no, the first thing was in here, you know, like, yeah, so there's yeah. all these, so the Dutch were also like going all the way back to the, you know, to the earliest days. And of course the Dutch had, you know, the Dutch were the ones that settled, um, uh, uh, New York, you know, they, New York. So right. they're. So they so they had a huge presence in New, you know in early New York. So in and so uh in so in the USA golf was being played in this on this continent as early as 1650 like or you know I guess the, yeah yeah 1650 says Fort Orange Albany New York uh four men are playing golf but the game is called golf K O L F. So so the Dutch were the ones that basically started bringing it to the USA. But it wasn't necessarily um, it didn't really catch on here like it did in in Britain and in England. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like there's like it, there was pockets of it. Like right. it, there's I have a big list. I'm not going to read them all, but there's a bunch of lists from 1650 to 1659, 1739, all the way there. There's all these like little mini mentions all over the place of like like um, like this like right here. Like several men cited for playing golf on Sunday. Like there's like these little glimpses of newspaper clippings that mentioned the fact sure. that they were playing. But it wasn't like some massive sport, and it didn't spread anywhere near as as fast as it did from Scotland to England. So, like I say, so that's kind of how – so the, so golf was already here. It wasn't like it, it, you know, it came over just from Scotland. So, um, and so, uh, yeah, so – but, it, you know, it really got – it started getting big uh, in, in the late 1880s, uh, 1890s. And um, and so, just to give you an example of how sort of less it spread in America, by 1910 there was 267 golf clubs in the United States. All right, so and there's how many? A thousand, thousand by 1914. In, so, in a postage stamp of a country. Yes, compared that's to what, that's kind of the point of the Louisiana really, purchase. Yes, that's yeah. what I was trying to get to is to show how it was massively popular in Scotland, right, right. England. 
but it was and it was popular here. It just wasn't anywhere. I mean, we had baseball. We had you know, and not necessarily the NFL. The NFL wasn't there yet. But you had college ball. But and... you had started college football, and you had some college athletics, and you know this. But you know, baseball, of course, was the preeminent like American sport. That was like you were American playing baseball. But that's not again. That's not to dismiss that golf had a presence here. It just was nowhere near anywhere like it was right. out in Scotland and right, England. Right. In the in the in what I kind of noticed from like just looking up these you know these dates and all this is that mm-hmm. it was really located to like the New York area okay. and also um to like to South Carolina specifically. Oh, interesting. And so there's and so anyways, so there's a lot of clubs in America this year like oh we had the first, you know, we had the first, you know, golf club in the states and all this. Um, so, anyways, that's kind of the thing. That's that's where we're. That's sort of where we're where we're gonna kind of leave off of with the history because the story of Walter Hagen is gonna begin, you know, right after. You know, I th- he's born in 1894, um, and so uh, so like he like his career is gonna get going to like in like 1912 ish. Okay, you know what I mean. So that's kind of where we're. That's kind of where we're at. So 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 in 1914, it just gives you a thousand golf clubs in in. Britain, and then 1910, there's 267. So golf in the USA is nowhere near what it is in Britain, right? And that's what I'm saying. That's what golf. That's what Hagen does for golf in the USA. And Bobby Jones, to another extent, yeah. he's going to be a major comp- component too. Right. But Bobby Jones was like the amateur, you know, you know, star. And then, but Hagen was the professional. And Hagen mm-hmm. was. You're gonna. We're gonna see. Like as he goes through his life, you know, we haven't even begun to tell a story yet, but. Um, but he's gonna be the guy. You know, he's gonna change this 267 golf clubs in 1910 right. till where it is now. Like I don't even know what it is now. Yeah. They probably don't even have a count. There's probably oh, eight geez. million, eight <laughs> million. There's probably 267 golf clubs in Michigan. Oh my god! Yeah. At least. Oh so god. that's what I mean. So like you know, the, from 19, you know, that's uh, so that's where we're at. And then and, yeah. you know, and the, the idea you as the, one of the, the quotes we mentioned there already was to show that you know amateurs, you know, the golf was for was viewed as like. You know, as as a um, as a gentleman's game, it was not meant for professionals. The professionals were sneered at. You know, you weren't right. even allowed to you know get, get the trophy inside of the clubhouse. You know, so that's you know that's that's the kind of this is like the kind of foreshadow for where we're going to go with Hay, with Hagen. All right, I, I just I, I like that we're taking our time with the stories. Yeah, uh, totally. Getting there late. Well, that's in the what I love about the show. Yeah, we get to take our time. Man. Yeah. So, uh, Charles. Appreciate it. Do you got? Because uh, you used to do a, like a lot of art shows, and then over the pandemic, art shows kind of dried up. They're coming back. Where are you at? Because they're now there's you're, you're working out of the two malls, and there's the two like makers. I'm pretty sp- much there every day. Maker spaces. Yeah. Um, is that serving you better than like? Are you thinking about doing the art fair circuit again? No, I, I did those for like seven or eight years. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm told I'm over it. <laughs> you're over yeah. you over yeah. the art fair circuit. Well, the thing is, the thing and was, these, and the and you're doing well in the mall. Yeah, I mean the the thing it's. The thing with uh, selling books at art fairs is you can, I mean, you can like make more money, kind of thing. Like yeah. it's, and you get to talk to way more people, and it's you get to see all kinds of different environments and stuff, which is cool. But you're living in a van down by yeah, the river. Yeah, it's a brutal lifestyle. <laughs> and the other thing too is, is that you're, you know, you can make a lot of, you can make really good money one weekend, and then you're like riding high, and then the very next weekend, you it's it rains all weekend, or it Could rains for one show, of the days, yeah. or your tent gets knocked over, or something happens, yeah. and so that you end up like, and then so and all of a sudden like. Your great show last week is just now, you know, between your bad show this week and your terrible show, or your great show last week, you just have like, you know, what I mean, it barely balances out. Sure. And so you just find yourself at such. And you're a, not it's a home, tr- and then your goldfish. You got to pay a pet sitter yeah. to come in and take your yeah. goldfish. It's a really, tr- it's a really, it's a, <laughs> it's a very volatile way to live. 
yeah. especially when that's your sole, your primary right, right. means of support. And so, and so, um, so that, that so I don't make as much in the in like working and you know being. So in these tell stores. me about the the the, the makerspace that 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 you work out of the two. I saw it's a makerspace. Yeah, it's called it's called Inspire Marketplace. Inspire Marketplace. Yeah, it's at twelve. Yeah. There's one at twelve. So it's a lot small. of independent Michigan products. Yeah, it's and basically a lot of like a year round. It's like a year round indoor art show. Yeah. rather than outdoor, which is right, suits right. me because I I like to not have to work outside, <laughs> not, not have to. Yeah, get your tent. And it's over. consistent. It's consistent. I can, I know what I'm going to get. I'm pretty good at balancing my budget and so you know i, I kind of uh you know i can kind of roll it's it's where, kind of where nice. are they at? Think, if people are in the metro detroit area where where so are they, there's where are one, they there's inspire marketplace at 12 oaks mall and inspire marketplace at parts creek mall okay and parts creek's in clinton township 12 oaks is in nobody and i'm there like every day tomorrow besides, I'm at Parts creek yeah. so besides the massive line of uh, detroit city of champions books DVDs and uh, hoodies. What else will people find in the uh, well, Inspire it's like, Marketplace? It's like a, it's like an art show. It's a year round. It's like it's yeah. like you go to you know like when you go to an outdoor art, art fair, you see all kinds of stuff. You know, made in Michigan, all kinds of Just gifts, a, all these different you know kind of booths where everybody. How many has different stuff. How many different artists are represented? We have like fifty or sixty in each store. Oh wow, okay, that's yeah. that's a, that's a lot. Yeah, including MySpace. I and mean, I when I first how, start, how big is it? Is it like like a you know, like it's like four, four or five feet wide per space. Some spaces are bigger. So I mean, the, the the whole your whole the whole the store? Inspire America space. Is it's it just the, well, the, the stores we have now. I, I don't even know what I don't even. But know. you got like fifty vendors and yeah, each. fifty or six. And there's like each space like about you know somewhere around four feet wide, mm-hmm. something like that. Some people are on the floor. There's like two feet square. How know? many of the vendors are there? I know that uh, you know part of the deal is, is working it, and I know you work. A lot, and you cover other people. Well, yeah, everybody basically pays me to work their shifts. That's why I'm there okay. every day. But I get to do my, I get to work on the. That's all I for half my day. I got ready for the show today. You know, right, right. and I get to do stocks and crypto at the show, and you know, stockpile money for you know the baseball team I want to. So, buy, so. If, if someone walks into the store, how many of the artists will will be there at any given time? Is it just you, or there's yeah, five, six one. other folks? Yeah, just like one. I mean, it just varies. Sometimes there's people dropping stuff off and restocking and. You know, they're coming to restock their stuff or whatever. Because a part of the art fair and part of, like, when we met, I met you at. Yeah, an outdoor fair, yeah. A, an art fair. And we spent, you know, five, ten minutes, you know, just, just talking. And you were giving me the elevator pitch about yeah. City of Champions. Mm-hmm. And I just I just loved how passionate you were about the whole project. Uh, and it stuck with me that, it, it, God, it was a good five, six years later when I finally no, it was called great. you yeah, it's and kinda, said, dude, we, I, I, got, no, I, got, cool. I got a crazy idea. Do you yeah. want to do this as like a podcast and tell me these stories? Well, and I'll be honest with you. I've had a million people tell me that they wanted to do something. Honestly, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I, the amount of people that have told me they wanted to make documentaries is ridiculous. Like, I get, And how many episodes are we in? That's Yeah, the 66. Do so. you believe me yet? Oh, I totally believe you. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is that initially, initially when you're like, hey, I'm in, man, hey, I'm man, in. Hey, man, I want to do a show and all this. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Right. I'm sure you do. You know, like, <laughs> and so, but yeah, that's great. No, um, but yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, so meeting you was fantastic, Jamie. Because, like I say, you're I can, I don't like I can't stand it when when and people, it's, but, when it, people but tell it, you they're going to do something and they don't do it. It shows you who they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you just don't want to ever really have anything to do with them again. Mm-hmm. I don't. You know, you're like it's, there's an old saying that says like when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Yeah. You know, and somebody yeah. says like, hey, I want to do this or I want to do that, and then they and then you're like, okay, let's do that, and then they're like. Huh? <laughs> you're like you don't even. They don't. Even, What's your name again? Like they don't even remember. You. And you're, you know, so it's yeah. I can't stand. So I and so when that happens, I don't. I just it's sayonara, man. Yeah. I don't even have anything to do with them again. So, so that's what I mean. So no, you're you were an absolute um a, a very great you know surprise. I just, you're one of the very it, few people that stood by what the, you wanted. But it's to not say. me because I mean you did all this research. 
you compiled these magnificent stories, and now we get to and you. I like I like that it's almost like this is like book number four. Yeah, I feel like we're creating book number four. Oh, it is. It's a totally different thing because yeah. um, well, it, it's going a little deeper, and you're pulling in things that aren't in the book or things that couldn't, you know, because you only have so many, uh, you know, column inches yeah. in the book. There's stuff that had to get cut. I love it when you get excited and there's like things that you add that he's like, oh, I couldn't put this in the book, but it was important. Yeah, um, you know, as an editor, and you you were you know because you were you're the publisher and the editor and the writer. So I'm sure you had other editors looking at it too, but um, you know you had to make those decisions about what got cut because simply yeah. for in the printed version, yeah, it's huge. You're already. dealing with it's huge, and there's you got to deal with column inches. Yeah. It's like yeah. you know every four more but pages. But that's why I do love this, and it is like yeah. I mean you could I mean you could almost say it's like book five because the screenplay would almost be like a, you know the fourth one. Uh, this would be like five, but uh, I but I love this. Well, one. Only a few eyes have seen that screenplay. Well, very few. Yeah, I, mean, I was an I'm one of those honored yeah, few. Yeah. That screenplay yeah. is amazing to me. Yeah, well, it's but I'm just saying this right here though. The thing, one of the things I'm so happy about besides just doing the show is actually like the archive in the story mm-hmm. because it like. Because we all, I mean, I, I'm, you know, we know that every, you know, a lot of things spread faster yeah. on, uh, you know, when you're on YouTube well, and all these on yeah. the podcasts and stuff. I mean, it, it, this isn't re- the Library know. of Congress; it's sitting yeah. there. But I mean, you know, out of the millions and millions of books in the Library of Congress, right? Uh, but if somebody like searches lions, tigers, Walter Hagen, yeah. Joe Lewis, yeah. and this pops on their YouTube, then then they're gonna get. I, I hope yeah, that's something I'm, interesting. Yeah, that's what, but that's what I'm saying though is that it not it's a it's a whole other medium for for telling the story. Yeah, and it's also just an archival thing because you just never know, dude. You know, I mean, the, you know, never know what could happen to a person. And like I've I spent a great deal of my life, you know, telling this story. And like I love obviously love the story. You love the story, but I've spent a long I've spent a long time like you know writing about the story and telling the story and. And you know, especially telling the story, and like it's nice to be able to tell it and like record it for posterity's sake, you know. And then I make fart jokes. It's there's fun. that too. There's that, that's, you know, and then that, I say silly yeah, things. Yeah, that's well, that's part of the that's part of the overall experience. It's you know, good and bad. You it know, is it's got to take the good with the bad. It is so. So, but, so uh, but no, but this, but like I say, it's it's the idea that we get to actually archive this story and put this down, and you know, like I say, like yeah. I love telling the story and. Um, you know, I've you know I've I've spent years telling it, and it's mm-hmm. a, it's nice to be able to to actually get you know because again I you never know what something could happen to somebody, and I like to know that you know if somebody ever you know like if something ever happened to me or whatever, it's out there. It's out there, and I, there's somebody could like because you know that could know that could listen to me tell the story, you know, like because uh, I I have this I have this weird dream where where uh like down the road like I'm like a multi millionaire and like. Uh, I've got a. There's like a painting behind me, me flexing or whatever. Right? Like, <laughs> like my own, a painting of me and the wall. Like uh, I'm just. It's kind of like that that movie where the guy's like taking the bull by the horns. Average shows. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah, goes, yeah. he goes. That's me taking the bull by the horns. Goes, but seriously, I did that. He's like that. <laughs> so anyways, that's like my. That's I'm just joking. But I'm like. But I have a dream where, like, where somebody in the future, like you know, I'm doing a million other things, yeah. right? And it's City of Champions is like in the rearview mirror. Like I'm doing all these other things, like building baseball teams and doing all this other stuff. And then somebody's like, you know, hey man, tell me that City of Champions story just for the old, just for the old, <laughs> old, times. old times. You know, like the pitch or yeah. whatever, you know, something like that. Like you know, you got that old pitch for the, t- or or not even that somebody asked me to tell them, but. Somebody is sort of unaware of it, or there's a reason why that I need to break out the pitch that I used to use on my art show, which wasn't really a pitch. I would just 
to tell the story as right. much as I could. I, and, that's what I call it. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, I mean, it was it was you know you're basically a sales pitch, but really yeah. I was just telling people what the book is and the story, and people were like that is pretty cool. I'll take a copy, you know, like. But anyways, it's just kind of this weird thing where. Like down the road, somebody's like, "Hey, man, do you remember that old story that you used to tell? Like that city of champions, thing? you know?" Like, so anyway, I don't know. It's uh, but you know, then and I'll be like, "Man, I I think I could tell one more, one more time." <laughs> I tell it one more time. <laughs> like, I mean, there's a point in my life when I was doing those shows where I would tell the story so much yeah. that my throat would basically get burned out. Yeah, and I would have to. At first, I was like, "People are like, oh, you should drink tea with honey," and I'm like, "Oh, that's a good idea." And I warm some hot tea and then put some honey in it or whatever yeah, and drink yeah. that right. And then I was like, that worked pretty good. And then it got to the point where I was so busy and I was on the road to so many shows and I was losing my voice so much, especially at Christmas, because I'd be doing like sometimes six shows a week. Wow. Like, I mean, I'd be going from day to day because you do, I used to do country clubs. I've done right. every country club in this in Detroit where yeah. you're doing setups and teardowns in the same day and doing shows every single day. And so it got to the point where I just had one of those honey bears and I was just swallowing honey. I'd skip the tea. I'd skip everything. And just just want some honey. That's it. Just, just, just suck down the honey. Oh, to Lube the pipes up before a show. Before an show. I just take down the or, – or someday failing that, you know, like I was so broke at the time. Um, you know, like I'd I'd be in some like country club and there'd be like like give you a dinner or whatever, like, you got any honey I can go with that? And they'd be like, Yeah, they'd bring me like you know, I would, packets. And I would keep those on reserve, you know, yeah. in case I didn't have like the honey. So I'd like if I needed a honey packet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> that's when you're you know, that's you know, that's that's what you have to do when you're like, you know, that's it's I do have some fond memories. I actually wrote down I wrote down quite a few of them and I, like one of these days I'd you know, at some point in the future I'd love to do like a um you know, just like a you know a, mem- a memoir, like a Walter Hagen story. You know, like some kind of story about that. So, if people are not in the Metro Detroit area, they can find us at DetroitCityOfChampions.com. The books um, are available there, uh, as well as like some merch and the the DVDs. Uh, there's some there's some there's some videos. Uh, the first ever baseball movie recorded with sound. What's that on uh, cityofchampions.com? Yeah, cityofchampions.com. Yeah. Uh, and you find all those things. And then if they are in the metro Detroit area, the two uh, out at Partridge Creek and... And 12 Oaks. And I'm at 12, 12 Oaks like 12 five Oaks. days a week, and I'm at Partridge Creek like two mm. days a week. So, all right. So, so if you're if you're in the Novi area, you have a what is that? What's uh, they five make out a of great seven? F- it's like uh, a, it's like that's like it's five out of a, five out of seven. It's like a seventy, you know, like an eighty percent chance yeah. or something. People listen wherever, whenever, however. But, yeah, but uh, we're coming up on Father's hi. Day, not too yeah. far away. Yeah, so. it's a great Father's Day. Great guess, Father's yeah. Day. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, what I was gonna say too is uh, tell them about our new show we're starting. Oh yeah, we got yeah, a baseball yeah, yeah, yeah. show, yeah. pure Base- baseball, uh, baseball revolution. Yes. We've only done one episode, but we're moving that uh, up too. Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're testing the waters with baseball yeah. revolution. Yeah, baseball's broken. Uh, Charles has an idea to fix it, and he's telling me all about it. So that's that's what we're doing with baseball. Yeah, I'm ex- revolution. I'm ex- I, and Jamie's the one that pushed me to doing it because the stuff that I got to bring out for that baseball revolution, the, the the stuff I got to bring out for that show, it's taken me years to even decide to even do the show. Yeah. Because there's because there's some there's some stuff I cannot talk about on that show. It's like I mean there, that's like that's all that's you know the city of champions was my first love. This is like my you know this has been my love. The baseball has been my love for the last like probably six years solid. So not just the game of baseball, but there's a a whole new there's a whole new way there's a whole new approach that Major League Baseball could and should be using that I've tried to present to them. They've passed up on it, and so now I'm going to do it myself. There and it so, is. 
Um, and so I'm kind of injured. You know, it's basically that we're going to be introducing baseball a whole new revolution. Yes, it's going to be a whole new um, way to look at baseball and to, uh, you know, to, to save the game because yep. the game is in a sad state of decay. And yep. um, I believe I have a way to fix it. And Jamie's going to be Jamie. I want to hear it. Talking about I want to I want to hear it. So DetroitCityOfChampions.com, And then uh, there's a Facebook and, and social medias on that. The YouTube page. And then, yeah, Baseball Revolution, there's a Facebook page. Have we, done, we be, have a YouTube well, page yet? Maybe. <laughs> well, we'll get it to it. We've only done one episode. Usually you don't even start a YouTube show until you got like two or three episodes. I know. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. So why. I think we're recording a YouTube. I don't know if we started or not, but it, it'll be there. Yeah. We'll start it up at some point, right? YouTube? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, 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 for sure. If I, I, but I'm, just not, it's not there at this exact minute. We're still working on We're still getting the thumbnails up. Um, yeah. And, building, uh, building art. And, yeah. So, um. Yeah, we're still getting the thumbnails up for the city championship show. We're doing all this. And, yeah, and uh, but with the but base thank the, you, the, everybody that's listening. Um, you know, Chris chimed in today, and uh, somebody else popped by. Catherine popped by today as well. My sister, we and, love her dearly. Uh, and uh, so yeah, thank you for uh, uh, stopping by. Like, subscribe, do all and those thanks podcast to Chris too because Chris Borm is helping us with the thumbnails. Ooh. He's doing a great job, yep. and we're we're going to get all these new thumbnails up to make the like the little. To make the playlist look really sharp. Yeah, yeah. The playlists look are gonna look real sharp once we're done putting all these thumbnails up. It'll be easier to search for which episode you're looking for. So uh thank you. Like, subscribe, leave a comment, uh tell a couple of friends, uh, and then have them pay them money for us. Uh we're not gonna pay you back, but pay them money for us and and have them tell friends. So, yeah, <laughs> or just, whatever. Just have them like the show. Let's That's start it. small and, li- and subscribe. Just have them like and tell a couple subscribe. Of friends. Subscribe. Right. Yeah, we'll leave the bribery for later. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll do it again next time. We're gonna next week. We're gonna next week. We're doing baseball revolution. I think. Yep, we? we're heading back yeah. into the clubhouse for now. Yeah, and That's then we'll it. be back for city champions sh- shortly thereafter. All right, we'll see you next time. <laughs>